Welcome to Painting Corners, your weekly podcast for all things baseball. Now, here are your hosts, Austin Hartsfield and Dave Kwiatkowski. We are talking about a team today. That's probably, that's probably, I mean, I, I'm going to ask Aiden. I'm going to ask Dave first. Uh, this team sucks, right, Dave? This team's bad. It's bad at baseball. No, we're not talking about the Miami Marlins and all their wonderful prospects. We are talking about the Boston Red Sox, the World Series champions. We're obviously kidding. But first, before we go ahead and dive into it and the monstrosity that is the absolute, or the atrocity, let's go with that, that is the catching position, I have to introduce our guest, uh, one of my favorite people that I've met probably in the past year. I mean, two of them, obviously, in the call right now. But Gabe Faulkner, Gabe runs Soxphere. So anything that you need Red Sox-wise, then you can go to Soxphere.com and check it out. Awesome articles and pretty awesome Red Sox podcast that we listen to. Our personal favorite Red Sox podcast of this particular Painting Quarters podcast. So welcome, Gabe. What's going on, fellas? Thanks for coming on, helping us out, dissect our favorite teams here. I'm, I'm happy to come on and talk about baseball whenever I can. Well, we'll hold you to that. So we want you to jump into the first position. Usually I lead it or Austin will lead it and we talk about catcher. But, you know, it's one of the things that is the most interesting thing on this team, probably along with the bullpen. It's the only big question marks. And I know you're kind of, you know, you got your, you know, heart set on a few guys here. So who's going to be the primary catcher? And who's going to be the odd man out? First, I, I'll talk about who I think should be the everyday catcher, but has gotten screwed. Uh, just He's just gotten unlucky, honestly. Um, Blake Swihart, I'm a big fan of Swihart. I, I think that he's gotten the raw end of the deal. And uh, it's just been, it, he's had a weird career in Boston. Like last year, uh, he and his agent requested a trade. Uh, I, I, I foresaw a trade happening within like a month, but never happened. Kind of weird that we didn't hear anything about it at all, really, the rest of the season. Um, Swihart, I feel like, is the most versatile out of the three by far. He, he's athletic. Uh, he can hit. I just feel like he should be our everyday catcher, but I know that's not going to happen. He's He's just gotten so unlucky. I feel for him. But unfortunately, I think he's the oddball out. I would say that Sandy is the guy that should go. Um, just because, you know, when we put him in the lineup, he's awful. Like, he can't hit um, at all. And I, I get that he has a good rapport with the, the pitchers, and the pitchers love pitching to him. But, you know, that goes so far. But when he can't – when he has the low hitting numbers that he has, like – that doesn't matter to me. Uh, you know, I'm fine with Christian Vasquez behind the plate, but uh, in my opinion, I think it should be Swihart every day. It goes back and forth. Swihart's great depth. You got him on the team control. I assume he stays on this team for a while. The only way I see Swihart out of here is if you can package Swihart and a prospect for a legitimate closer because it's the one thing this team lacks, and that would be at the deadline. Yeah, anything, honestly. It just, I think. I think he's such a commodity, Swihart. He's a switch hitting, you know, he can hit for power. He's a speedster. He can play defense. He's a, if he ever gets his bat around to, he can be a four, four and a half star player. You know, I think anyway for two. Players. Well, he's fast as hell too. Hey, he's fast. Yeah, and he plays good defense out and he plays multiple positions. I mean, he can do a lot, but I think the Vasquez contract keeps him here. And I think Sandy only having two years left this year and the next year team control keeps him here for the short term. Yeah, I mean, we can go ahead and move on from that. We don't have to say much about Vaz. We knew that when Vaz was actually on and do, basically doing his job correctly, that he was one of the better catchers both ways in baseball. I mean, obviously, he was never going to be a you know a 300 hitter. But, and if know, he is, and if he is, it's going to be bloop singles. I mean, the guy only hits bloop singles, and every once in a while he ropes one. But There's no hard contact. He, no, there's no hard contact, and that's if Vasquez can bat plus two fifty with all singles all time and call the games that he's been doing. He's a top five catcher in baseball, which is crazy. I'd, I'd be I'd be yeah. completely fine with that. Oh my god, I would I would love that. That if Sandy could bat two fifty, he'd be a top three, you know, catcher in baseball. It's just if Vasquez goes, all these catchers just can't figure it out offensively since Veritek, basically. Yeah, and it's just like it's a Red Sox curse at this point. Yeah, at this point. But uh, we can go ahead and go on to first base. These are two very different people. They wound up in Boston in very different ways. Steve Pierce and Mitch Moreland are going to platoon. 
basically at first base with this year, which I have no absolutely zero problem with. I mean, one's a I World actually Series. love it. And pre- I prefer it. Yeah, I mean, we could both consider both of these guys World Series heroes. I think, right? Oh, a hundred percent. I mean, Moreland will. You know, we'll have that game, what, three home run? Yeah, it was four because... That was game four when we were down four nothing, and yeah. he hit a moonshot to make it four to three, and then we ended up winning that game. Yeah, I mean, I think Pierce actually tied it up that game or something like that. But, I mean, this is a great platoon. I mean, you have one guy who's an absolute stud defensively. is going to be nominated for a gold glove 90% of the years when it comes down to it. You also have Steve Pierce who, again, I believe that Steve Pierce had one of the best second halves with a brand new team in the history of baseball. I mean, can we agree on that? Uh, definitely in the history of Sox. I mean, yeah, he came in a, like the, the biggest Sox I free like trade deadline acquisition. That's what I'm trying he to say. He was one of them, you know, an unsung hero of, you know, the ad and you, you show what he did. I mean, Evaldi was another big one, you know, pitching wise, but hitter wise Pierce came in and he hit Yankee hitting well, which is something that's hard to do, especially in that ballpark. And when it came to you know the playoffs, every time you put him out there, he was a threat to hit a home run. I mean, he did it against the Yankees. He did. It, he crushed the Dodgers. I mean, he was the World Series MVP. I think him and Price should have split it, but Price dug his bed bitching to reporters for the past four years. So I guess it's another topic. But, I mean, he was a huge ad. And Moreland, I mean, you added a gold glover for free that, when healthy and hot batted 260 270 even though he was a career 230 240 hitter but you saw the upside in him and the red sox did too and he overperformed for two years in a row and i don't think it's going to stop i think this is his new normal yeah can we just can we talk about the the acquisitions of Evaldi and pierce in the same year by dombrowski two moves that i never saw happening that dombrowski made and are the reason we won the World Series. I mean, let's be honest. Pierce, there down the stretch at the end of the season, he was a monster. Like whenever he stepped up to the plate, those last two games of the World Series, I expected him to hit a bomb or at least you know get on. It was just he was on another level, and um, I'm completely fine with he and Moreland uh, platooning at first this year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like a perfect scenario. You got one for lefties, one for righties, and they can kind of help out Sam Travis a little bit when he comes up. And all that. And obviously, Moreland and Pierce can both hit their opposites. So it's not like they're useless, but it's preferred for that platoon. So if one of them get banged up, like Moreland had bad luck with his toe, you know, his toe, what was it, two years ago now? Or was that early, mid last year? I forget. I think but- that was mid last year. It might have been mid last year, but it'll be good for that. And you know, clubhouse guys, Moreland's a wonderful clubhouse guy. Pierce as well is is you know renowned for his ability to you know keep the locker room loose. And you don't stick around as a journeyman, you know, like that without having that character with you. You know what I mean? Like he's thirty six years old. He's played for every team in the AL East, and he's played for uh, you know more teams than that. He's sticking around for a reason, and it's not because he's going to bat three fifty. Well, no, and then if we want to look past these guys, you know, more into the future, we're still trying to see if Michael Chavis can play first base, you know. And if not, I mean, you know, we look into the future, maybe Devers moves over. What do we think is, like, the brightest future at first base, and does it involve Tristan Casas at all? Gabe, you, what do you think about this? Um, I would just want to start by saying I'm a pretty big Sam Travis guy. Uh, I saw Forgotten. him play in college. I, I'm, I, yeah, I saw him play in college, but I think realistically he doesn't um, he he doesn't really have that big of a future in Boston. I think that if we're being honest, uh, I think Cody and I talked about this towards the end of last season that Devers will probably have to make the move over to first base at some point. Um, but if if I I don't know, it's. It's a situation where if Chavis can't play first, he can play third, and then Devers can move over to first. But uh, either way, I'm I'm cool with it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he- I don't I don't mind either way either. I think that I think Devers is going to get much better at third base, and I think the spring he's looked good this spring, and I think he's going to be. I don't think he'll be a negative player there next year. If he is, it won't be by much. I think Chavez could play first. I think it's going to be interesting. If Dahlback and Chavez both come up at the same time, like 
Do we think that next year it's going to be Dahlbeck, Chavez up on the roster, ready to go? If that's the case, can you fit them all? Dahlbeck, and we're going to get to this later, Dahlbeck might have to play shortstop next year. <sighs> I mean, sadly, if they think it's going to go that way when, when we lose uh, Bogey. losing Bogarts, but it's going to be interesting with that because J.D. Martinez is the DH and he's going to be on this team for a while. So he's 31 now. You know, he's going to play on this team probably till he's 35. So, you know, you can't really just like stick Devers in, you know, can't stick Devers at the DH, can't push Chavez at third, at first, and Dalvik at, at uh, third and call it a day. Second base? Can Dalvik play second? I don't know. Can you Honestly. teach someone to play second? I mean, Mike Moustakis is playing second base. Yeah, I mean, Dalvik is about six, to kind to of positionless to an extent. I think second is one of those positions you can kind of. I don't know. Sacrifice it's, defensively. Yeah, exactly. And I don't want to. I don't know. I I don't want to say it's easy to learn to how to play second because it's obviously not. But I think it's probably like third base is a hot corner. You can't just throw someone over there and then short. You hide I people mean, on left field. Yeah, it's it's just going to be weird because obviously second base is. If Dahlbeck can learn how to play second, I'm all for it. But I don't know. I honestly don't know. I, I think it realistically, just from speed and I put Dahlbeck at third and I put uh, Devers at first. I think if we can get Devers to play first, right, if it's necessary, I would like to see it. Yeah. Obviously, we would we would like to see it. But, I mean, that, that would be huge for this team because that unlocks a lot. And it unlocks a lot because we'll move past first base. Second base has been a cornerstone of the Red Sox for a while now. He came up in 07, so he's been with the team since 07. He's on the contract until 2021. That's a long Former time. Former MVP. Former MVP, you know, silver slugger, gold glover. I mean, when healthy, Dustin Pedroia has been one of the best players in the MLB the past 10 years. Yeah, no, I, he... I'd say. I mean, he's, when healthy, he gives you 300 and... 10 home runs and goal club defense every year. I mean, it's, it's the model of consistency. He was been hurt the last couple of years, did not play last year basically at all. He's done the contract for three more years. He's 35 years old. Dustin Pedroia was so good for this team. I am over Dustin Pedroia when he's running his mouth and when he's hurt. I don't like him when he's like that. And I understand he's got the confidence, but it almost comes off as arrogant at the same time at this point because he just hasn't proved it in the field. And I think he's, you know, putting his pride in the way where he's like, I'm good, I'm good, I can go, even though when he can't. I mean, even today at the, the you know, the time of this recording, today or yesterday, he mentioned that he has to start in the spring, you know, has to start the season down in Florida for extended spring training because, you know, the coaches are making him and he has to go through the process, even though he's 100% right now and he could start tomorrow. Just be quiet. Just say, yep, Just go you know, with the flow for once. I'm going well. Exactly. I'm, I'm doing well. I feel good. I'm almost there. And when I'm there, you know, you know, the coaches and I will come to a decision and, you know, hopefully I'll be up sooner than later. But he's making it seem like he's ready to go and we're holding him back like, you know, service time like Vlad Guerrero. It makes or it sound like he's on a tanking team. Yeah. And he may, yeah, that too. Or he makes it sound like, I don't know, we owe him something. I mean, we gave him a career. Francona saved him. Everybody in 07, everybody wanted him out. He came out of the gate batting 100, you know, and he couldn't hit, and his fielding was okay. And Francona said, he's good, he's good. You know, this kid's going to be great. And look what he turned into. Gabe, what's your thought on Pedroia? And more importantly, he's not going to start at second base this year. That's going to be Holt or Nunez, depending who they want to throw out there. I assume it's Holt, but you never know. Is he going to make? Is he going to play this year, and is he, is he going to be impactful? So this is a topic that that Cody and I and our guests have talked about a ton this off season. And I've always thought that he, it's going to be like last year's uh, like tail end of the season when he tried to make a return and then he got hurt. I, I just, unfortunately I think that's, you know, that's how it's going to go. But uh, I mean, I would like for him to come back healthy, but like you said, it's a, a little annoying when all he, you know, he talks about, yeah, I'm ready to go. And then, like that's what he said the past like you know a few times that he's been hurt and we've tried to bring him back he gets hurt 
after saying he's fine, he's fine, he's fine, and then he comes back and he gets hurt. Like, it's damaging his legacy, I feel like, for him just to keep on trying to make these comebacks and failing. Like It's Grand Hill I, Syndrome. Yeah, it's it's just it's I, I like Pedroia, but at this point I just don't see him making an impact at all. I, I'd rather have um uh Hole out there or Nunez be, just because you know Pedroia even said himself, which I don't know if this is gonna be true or if he can actually do this just because of his nature, but he says he's you know gonna take it off take it easy off in the field. Um, you know, maybe not try to die for every ball he can just so he doesn't bang up that knee. And you know, I would rather have a guy out there that can, you know, make plays, but I get that he can't make he can't make those diving plays like he used to, and he shouldn't because of his knee. But it's it's at, it's getting to a point where he's hurting the team more than he is helping the team. And unfortunately, I think that he does not make an impact this season. I mean, it's a good point. I mean, it's something that we definitely have to think about. I mean, I hate to break it to people, but when you're in the field of play, it's not something that you just shut off. If you're yeah no he's not yeah he's not gonna see that ball go through the hole and go eh, I don't need it he's gonna die for the ball. It's I mean there's a switch that flips you know when you go when you go out there especially when you're his size and you know you have his motor you're an animal. I mean you're not thinking about anything anybody anything else but getting that ball. So I just don't see no I I agree I don't I don't see him dialing it back. I don't think he's a super impactful player this year. I hope they keep him in extended spring training for a while. I think that if he's going to stay on this team in that role, he needs to be 100% healthy. He needs to somehow figure out how to turn that switch off, and you will see a defensive replacement for Pedroia. You'll have to, right? Because if he's going to say he's not going to be diving for balls, he's not going to be doing this and that, if it's the eighth inning of the ALCS against the Yankees and we're up three to two, I want Brock Holt at second base. Like I don't want Pedroia in, right? If he's going to say he's not going to be diving for balls and he can't hustle as much as he used to, we don't need the runs anymore. We need to keep it in the infield. Yeah, I mean, how many how many uh, That's playoff true. cycles That's does and I mean, Dustin Pedroia have? Brock Holt, I mean, when he doesn't have vertigo, he's pretty good at baseball. Yeah, I, I, I know that Holt's not your guy, Austin, but. Yeah, he's no, okay he's not. But you know what though? Mm-hmm. Even even Austin's warmed up to him when he's healthy. Because I was the same way with Holt. When Holt hey, when not, Holt is not healthy, not yeah, Griff helped that out. But when Holt's not healthy, he shouldn't even be oh, yeah, near the baseball field in general. He should be in a room with the lights off, sleeping. Like that whole situation was mishandled as well, and it shows what happens when he's kind of when he's healthy again. Speaking of healthy. No, we're gonna talk about about third base. A guy, yeah, yeah, uh, Nunez. I was going to go to Nunez. A guy I didn't want back. I, you know, does he make you laugh? Yes. Jared Carabas has a, has a tweet that he retweets a couple times a year, and it says something along the lines of, does Eduardo Nunez know what the fuck he's doing on the baseball diamond? And every once in a while, he has to retweet it because it, he does things I just don't understand. Either swinging at pitches in the dirt falling down, running the first base, just watching a ball roll past him. It's just nonsense. I get why we brought him back because of depth and because of the locker room. I thought we could have given you know that to one of the guys you know, in AAA, like a Lynn or a Dahlbeck or a Chavez, but service time and you know development and blah, blah, blah. That's why Nunez is back and him and Cora are boys. He's not going to be the starting third baseman this year. He will get a lot of playing time in. I think Holt endeavors platoon at second until someone else gets hurt because then Holt will go play. You know, Benny needs a day off. JBJ needs a day off. You know, whoever. You know, Bogart sprains his ankle again going into the, going into the dugout. Holt will play there. So I think that's how that works out. But the youngest guy in the Red Sox, in his third year in the major leagues, he's still the youngest guy at camp for spring training. Raphael Devers. Raphael Devers is going to hit 25 plus home runs this year and bat over 260. Is that a hot take? Over 25. Like the over under is at 25. That's that's what my over under. In 121 games last year, he hit 21 home runs. Yeah. And he only yeah, started 150. So that's Benny. 45 more games that he has to hit four more home runs. 
And he batted 240. I think he bats 260. 265. He had 24 doubles. Probably going to be 30 doubles. And he's playing and he's better He's playing defense. plus defense now. He's not playing better plus defense. defense. A he's plus for him. But that's my take on, on Devers. You guys know he's going to be a starting day. You know, the opening day star. He's going to play third base regularly unless he needs maintenance or down to triple A, whatever it may be. Sit for a couple games and let Nunez play there while Devers gets his head straight. What, is your, what are your guys' predictions? Gabe, we'll go to you first. What is your prediction for Devers this year? Better, worse, the same than last year? Uh, I think it's around the same, honestly. Um, maybe a little bit better in the field. Uh, offense, I, th- I think it's going to be a similar season to last year's, but I think he's going to improve defensively. Uh, that's just my take on Devers. Uh, I want to f- uh, rewind to your Nunez take. I, I'm going to piggyback off that. I completely agree with you. Uh, Nunez, like in the World Series, when he was doing all that diving and like going in the crowd, like un like unnecessarily and doing all that like shit, like I, it, he was starting to piss me off in the World Series. I'm gonna be honest, and I get that he's a locker room guy. I I know he's you know he they'll keep him around for laughs and giggles and stuff, but it's just he needs to be smarter and not do all that all that crap and on the field and diving everywhere. Like that, that just is ridiculous. And it was pissing me off in the world series. And it costs his game sometimes too. Yeah, exactly. Like him doing that. I just don't, I didn't get it there at the end of the season when he's diving into the stands when he doesn't need to. And like all that, he needs to be smarter than that. But yeah, that's just my take on Nunez. So going to one of my favorite positions in baseball and one of my favorite players, since he got called up in 2013, he was rocking, I think, 72, was it? Zendo Bogarts, one of the top five, if not top three shortstops in all of baseball. I always argue that he is right up there with Lindor and Correa and everyone else. Thank He's 26, you. 26 years old, can hit 20-plus home runs. That close, eh, close is the 300, I guess. A very good defender, very underrated for his defense because people think 2013, 2014, you know, matter still for some reason when he was like 20 years old. Zender Bogart's one of the best players in baseball at his position. He's going to be your shortstop. He's going to play 156 games this year. He's going to bat 270 to 290, hit 20 to 30 home runs. I think he actually gets an up in power this year. He came into the spring, you know, definitely gained some muscle has been stroking some balls out. I know it's been training, but at least he's lifting the ball is basically what I'm getting at. Or he'll hit a bunch of doubles, a green monster, or rob him, whatever. That's not really the question for opening day and for the season. It's the future. He's a UFA. Austin knows I love UFAs. He knows I love free agency and building a roster. 2020 is a big year for the Red Sox. You have a lot of important UFAs. Is Bogart going to be the odd man out in that free agency class, or is he going to be a Red Sox lifer? I think he's going to be a Red Sox lifer. They sign him to a seven, eight-year deal and keep him here. What I deem as the correct answer here, right, is not necessarily what I think at all because Dave and I actually think very similar when it comes to this. Let's be honest. I mean, if you ask them, you know, ask the fans who they want back. Do they want Mookie Betts, Chris Sale, Xander Bogarts back? You can only have two. Ten percent of the community is going to say they want Xander Bogarts back. Are we yeah, being, I would say is that, that is the that average clear? fan that listens to Felger and Maz will say Mookie and Sale. Correct. Correct. Definitely. So, I mean, when it comes down to it, we have a top ten, sometimes top five shortstop in baseball. I think that we should keep him. I would rather keep him than than keep Chris Sale, just because of the amount of money that's already sunk in to the pitching at this point. I know that's probably a hot take when it comes down to this, but you know, what is kind of everybody's thoughts on Xander at this point? Gabe, what do you think happens after Xander? And do you think that it ends? In so this year? I was brainstorming what I was going to uh, say when you were talking and I actually was going to say my hot take and which was, I would rather have bogey back rather than sale, but hey, you, yeah, we're on you, the same page. Yeah. And the so here's my thing. I I completely agree with Dave, and he is. I would say he's one of the most underrated players 
uh, on the Red Sox. He is the most underrated player on the Red Sox. Um, when he's hot, he is just like, let's just, let me say this. When he is on, his swing looks beautiful. But when he's off, his swing looks horrendous, and it drives me nuts. But Bogarts is honestly one of my favorite Red Sox players. I would, he's a piece that I would try to build around for the future. And if I was Dave, I I would, Dave Dombrowski, I, I would, I would make him, I would make that a priority, bringing him back just because I think he's a stud and we can build around him for the future. Uh, we can get him back on like a pretty lengthy deal. Um, but unfortunately, I think that bogey walks after this year that's i think we bring back sale and then they let bogarts walk i mean i think again that's what they should do just because and we're gonna get to this with pitching you know let's just say let's just save it for pitching yeah we'll save it for pitching um sadly gabe i i agree 100 with you by the way when you said everything about bogarts his swing when he's bad he turns into that one-handed like let it fly it's yeah. very similar to Ben Attendee's on the opposite side of the plate where Benny's bad. It, anything on the inside, he's just swinging through and anything on the outside, it's like one-handed. It's ugly to watch, but I totally agree. I think he will be gone, but I'm hoping not because I think we sink a lot of money into sale. But moving on from that, because I want to save the pitchers for the pitchers, let's go to the outfield. There's three players here. They're all three on this team. Two of them are extremely part of the future. One of them is going to be a maybe just because of if he gets a big deal from like, say, the Miami Mar. Yeah, say like Miami Marlins or the Padres or a team that is young, wants a solid player, you know, know what to expect, a leader, blah, blah, blah. The odd man out would be JBJ. Austin, tell us about your favorite player in baseball. It's actually pretty sad. It's your favorite player in baseball and all baseball where we have the world series Red Sox with Mookie Betts. He is already my favorite. He's already my favorite Red Sox of all time, which is the most insane game thoughts. It's yeah. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. It's crazy. It is. I like, like I just said, I mean, it's insane to me that I feel this way, but I've never wanted to basically watch a game so I could watch a particular player. 1,000% like that with Benny. You know, Benny's the guy that whenever the game ends, you know, and I see the box and, you know, I see the score report, I'm like, okay, let's check him. You know, everybody has that player. Dave has his. Dave's player just hits 240. But all he does a, is hit 240 and win ALCS MVP. That's all my guy does over and over again. <sighs> Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ. But, you know, Benny's only going to get better. I mean, he was the best pure hitter in his draft, which included a guy named Alex Bregman. I mean, coming out of coming out of college, they thought that this kid was going to be one of the best players in all of baseball. He was a Golden Spikes Award finalist and I believe award winner. And he's finally starting to do it with the glove. You know, the and Dave's player is the exact opposite, and that's why they're so good as, as a trio, basically, because... When somebody doesn't do something well, the other person to their right or to their left seems to pick it up, unless you have somebody in right field. But Andrew Benintendi is one of the best outfielders in baseball, if we're talking top 10, in my opinion. And uh, it's going to be very exciting for the future to see what he does, and I think he goes maybe even Yeah, 20, I mean, I love Benintendi. I think he's only going to get better and better. He's 24 years old. He's on the contract until he's 28 years old. So right when he's in his prime, basically you're going to be able to re-sign him in 2023. He's going to steal 20-plus bases. He's going to hit 20-plus home runs. He's going to bat 280 to 300. He's going to play plus defense, even contend for a gold glove. The stronger he gets and the older he gets, the more guys he's going to throw. He might be top five in outfield assist again because he plays that left field so well. Is Andrew Benatendi going to go down as one of the great Red Sox outfielders? I guess that's the question. We'll see it. Gabe, are you as high on Benatendi as Austin is? And I'm I'm high on it as well. I'm I Benatendi is one of my favorite players, but uh, I think that 
the if we're taking just defense out of the trio we have now, I think Bradley JBJ is the best is going to go down as the best Red Sox outfielder defensively. Um, probably, oh, I agree with that one hundred percent. That's that's like that's like saying if you had a diamond, you know, three cuts of you know three cuts of diamonds right next to each other and being like, oh, you know, this one's the worst. Yeah, one. I, like they're all pretty, I, they're I, all good defensively. The Red Sox outfield is the best in baseball. You can't convince me uh, otherwise. They're, no, offensively and defensively. Yeah, exactly. The best all around, all around, all exactly the best. And when Austin said the the point he brought up, where when one of them is struggling, the other two pick it up and. That's just that's what makes this these three guys special and better than anyone else. They're just it's ridiculous. And I think this year, here's my my I guess I don't even want to call it a hot take, but just your uh, take. Yeah. So my take for this season is uh, this will be the best year for those three guys uh, since they since ever. Like this is going to be their best year ever together and. Because I think Bradley figures figures it out with the bat. Um, I think he has the the best season of his career this year. I agree. He reinvented that swing. He's going to bat 260, 270, maybe even 280, but at least 260. I, I, I would power. be comfortable saying he's going to bat 280. Yeah, that's this is why I gave it on our friends. This is it right here. Like I said, this is why we're friends. It just, it's just, did we just become best friends? Yep. Cool. I did not know that we thought uh, this similar, Dave, and I'm, I'm liking it. No, I'm liking it too. Austin knows I'm a big JBJ guy, but he reinvented his swing coming out of college. He was an amazing hitter. He batted like 400 in spring training his rookie year. When he was in Pawtucket, he batted over 300 as well. He can hit the ball. It's just staying consistent i guess and then he's gonna fix that this year and just like gabe was saying there is one guy though that and before i even get to him my reason i love the red sox so much obviously i've been a lifelong fan but from a pure baseball standpoint the reason i love the red sox so much is because of how much homegrown talent they have and either through the draft or you draft a guy like Chris set, I mean, draft a guy like Moncada and Kopech and trade him for a Chris sale. So it's all, you know, the pieces that you own. Mookie Betts is the second best player in all baseball. I think I, I I'm comfortable saying that he's going to make $350 million. I'm okay with that. Are you guys okay with that? Like, you know, 10 years, 350 million? Yeah. 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 Austin? You all right with that? Cuz he'll be so he'll be 27. So, you sign him to a 10-year, 350 million dollar deal that you have until you're 37. Eventually you move him to the DH role where he'll be a a weird DH but a DH that gets on base. And then Mike Trout signed a 10-year deal worth 400 million dollars. And that's worth it too. But that's a whole different topic. And, you know, do we think, when was the last time somebody had a season as good as Mookie Betts did last year? When we're talking Red Sox. Uh, oh, I was going to say Mike Mookie Trout Betts? literally every other year. <laughs> or 20, 2017 Mookie Betts? I mean, yeah, I mean, Pedro. Yeah, I mean, 2008. I mean, Pedro did really well a couple of those years. 2008, I mean, Poppy, when he hit all those home runs and 09 or something like that, he hit like 54 and batted like close to 300. That was good. 2013. Well, yeah, that's a whole level. That's po- cheating. 20 postseason. Yeah, actually, you know what? Uh, one of Manny's first that's, year, that's he had like 130 true. RBIs. Like you want to talk about one of the best free agent signings of all time it was Manny Ramirez. But Mookie Betts is unbelievable. He's a five-tool player. You can even say he's a six-tool player if you want to say leadership and just athlete. overall liked guys. Super athlete. I mean, he can solve a Rubik's cube in a minute. He he's a professional bowler. He can dunk. He can can dunk. He's a you know, freak. He's a freak, and he's making twenty million dollars this year. It's a steal compared to. I mean, Bryce Harper took a yeah. Bryce Harper took a sweetheart deal realistically because of the years. He's only getting paid twenty five million a year on the cap, which if and that's what it is. Yeah, exactly. But because he wants a particular Mookie player, bets this year, he's going to bat three hundred. He's going to hit. 
25 to 30 home runs. I'm not going to put him at 30 automatically because he's going to hit like 40, 45 doubles. And some of those doubles that maybe should be home runs or vice versa will flip-flop. He's going to steal close to 30 bags again. He's going to get over 100 RBIs if he bats second. He might have the best season again next year. He realistically might. He might bat 330 home runs, same exact thing again, just not as high average. I have an unpopular opinion. What's your unpopular opinion? I think that last year was the best we'll ever see Mookie Betts. I don't think that's an unpopular opinion because I don't know if he's ever going to bat 350, hit 35 home runs, and, and steal, steal 35 bases. Yeah, 35. Like, that would have to be the best, right? But if you can keep it in the ballpark, and I think this year and next year are the big are the big ties for that because it well specifically this year, but if you can get him around the three hundred ballpark with around twenty to thirty home runs, twenty to thirty stolen bases, it shows you that it's consistent enough that's worth the money. If he drops down to like two seventy five, twenty three home runs, and fifteen stolen bases, then I think you're like, okay, what's going on? But I don't see bets dropping off that big. I mean, it'd be hard to beat next last year, though. I don't think he's going to beat that last year. I don't think he does. I think, I think he can beat some of his stats, right? I don't think he bats three fifty, but he could hit thirty five home runs and bat two eighty. Is Mookie right? Betts the most most valuable player for the Red Sox for the next ten years? We can even go five. I think five is more realistic, and yes, he is a Gold Glover. He can bat leadoff or clean up. He can hit for average and power. He can steal bases. What, am I missing? Gabe, am I missing anything? Um, I would just argue that Bogarts is right there with Mookie, not by like a close margin, but like he's pretty close to Betts and uh, most valued Red Sox, in my opinion. I agree, and I spot. think that if Bogarts got his average up, everybody would agree. If Bogarts batted 290. If Bogarts was Bogarts pre-handed. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. Bogarts is, people sleep on Bogarts. He's literally one of the best players in baseball, and specifically at shortstop. And people sleep on him because I don't know why. Kind of how they sleep on Benatendi. Where do I put him where? Where do you put him in the top 10 shortstops? Top 10 short, top five. Right off the top of my head, I don't have to think top five. I I would argue he's the he's the second best shortstop in the AL in my opinion behind Lindor. Yeah, behind I would say Daniel that too. Simmons? I think he's a be- I think he's better than Correa, and I think Lindor just. Well, I, don't for- I don't think him and Correa is close. No, I don't think so either. But I think Correa is the third best shortstop in the league. Uh, the AL. What? what? Who's better than Correa? Simmons, Lindor. No, Lindor. Lindor's one. Bogarts two. Correa Simmons? three. Simmons had one really really good year. Simmons is also basically the godfather of defensive war, which is what you need at the shortstop position. Yes, I agree there. But I think that Correa's back kind of helps that. When he's healthy, of course, his back was a big problem. Right, which, I mean, we don't never, we don't know if he's ever going to be back from that. No, he says it, though. Yeah, so Pedroia tried to will himself back, too. Well, let's talk about the starting pitching. I mean, Gabe, go ahead and lead us into starting pitching and what you think the starting five is going to be on opening day. But not only that, I want to know where you think it ranks in terms of all of baseball when it comes to the entire rotation. Here's my, I guess, another hot take uh, that I think I mentioned in my the last podcast I did, but I haven't released it yet. So uh, this is a snippet that we talked about in there. Um, I thought that Uvalde should have gotten the opening day start. Um just because of his postseason heroics, that's I think, I think it would have been sending a good message if they started Uvalde opening day. Uh, just because, like, look at what the guy did there at the in game three. Like, risk, risk, risked it all like there at the end, and like in a contract year, you know, his future was in question when he did all this, and to get an MVP to show for it so it would it would be it'd be it'd be showing a nice gesture I guess if they would have started him and I think that everyone else on the pitching staff would have been okay with that I think that from a baseball side of it from players manager performance absolutely he should be the opening day starter and absolutely everybody would love it 
Chris Sale would be the first one out there clapping for Ovaldi and smacking him on the ass as he as he runs out to the hill. From a fan standpoint and a money making standpoint, Chris Sale makes the most sense, and that's why he's starting. Yeah, but I totally get what you're saying. I mean, you you listen to when Ovaldi, you know, had that miracle relief, you know, appearance in game in game three. Was it game three? Yeah, it was game three. Yeah. In game three against LA, I mean, Porcello started crying talking about it. And that just shows you right there how much respect they have for the guy. You know, that's uh, that that's a lot there. But I agree. I see it. Austin, what do you think about that? I think that his contract is absolutely ridiculous. Whose? Yavaldi's. In a yeah. good or bad way? In a bad way. You th- Yeah, you think it was too too much money? I think it's too much money with too much risk for a guy that's had two Tommy John surgeries, which isn't supposed to happen in the first place. Yeah, I I think that the fourth year did it for me. I think it yeah, was, if it we, was three we years. About it, that's what you said. Yeah, I wouldn't mind it. Like three years, twenty million per. I wouldn't. I would have been perfectly fine with because this year, you know, you'd probably get something good out of them. If next year is a bust, you could figure something out for twenty twenty one. And you could still move him. Yeah, you could move him. You could shut him down for the end of twenty twenty, like they did with Porcello that year before he won the Cy Young with his tricep came back firing. You could do something like that. That fourth year is a little iffy, but the good thing is that this team should win a lot of games, so if you need to rest them, you can, I guess. Yeah, but I mean, and he, don't get me wrong, I respect everything that Evaldi did for that team, right? I was prepared to lose him in the offseason, so seeing him back is kind of like having a reward. I don't think that we're going to be talking about it the same way in two years, though. I, I mean, I unless they win another World Series, right? Yeah, I think his... I think his window for being dominant is this year and next year in 2021, 2022 are going to be like, I hope he's Porcello. I hope he's a four ERA guy that throws 200 innings. I hope he's Erod. You, you, you want him to be a Cy Young contender? I mean, I would hope so too, because that's no, my guy, Erod. The last couple <laughs> no, of years. No, I know. You want him to be an Erod. You want him to be a, I can't you wait want to to be a Porcello and Erod, a guy that will throw what you really want him to be Porcello, just 200 innings. Just 200 innings and around the four ERA. That's what you're hoping for in a couple of years. We just need him to be a three. Yeah, to be a legit three because you want Price to be a two and you want Sale or Groom or Erod. Are or we concerned at all with Sale's struggles in the back end of seasons? No, I know what's going to happen. He's going to need time off. I already know it's there. Yeah, I agree with you there. Like, I know he's going to need, need a month out. I just hope that we're up 18 games again, basically. So, Gabe, what do you... So, you got through your whole Valdi thing. What's your one through five next year? Uh, sale price or no? Yeah, sale price Porcello, Erod, Uvaldi. You think Uvaldi's the fit star? Yeah, just because lefty, lefty, righty, lefty, righty makes sense. Okay, okay, that makes sense. Awesome. What do you think? Before Gabe made that point, I was thinking sale price. I mean, everything is sale price, right? I mean, yeah. Are you yeah, sale price? So. Okay, I'm just making sure that everybody's on the same page there. So that they're not disrespecting David, but <laughs> no, I, I think it's sale price for sure. So I think I go, I would even go Erod Erod this year. I mean, we have so much talent when it comes to him. The potential is so high, and the spring was amazing. So why not reward the kid? I think just based off prior history, contracts, comfortability, whatever. I think it's gonna go sale. I think it's gonna go price. I think it's gonna go Valdi. I think it's gonna go Porcello, and then I think it's gonna go Erod. I don't think it should be that. I think Porcello should be the five. And well, yeah, Erod no, and Evaldi should go for the three, four. Actually, not what it yeah. should be. It's that. Yeah. I, what I do think it's going to be, I think you're going to see Sale game one, Price game two, Evaldi game three, and then Porcello, then Erod. And I think Erod explodes in that role as the fifth starter slash fourth starter slash getting the back end of the, the series against you know a tired team or another team's four or five. I like that. Uh, do you do you want to hear my hot take on on Erod? You go, you go, and then I have a hot take. Okay, cool. Let's see if we're really on the same page here. I think Erod has a better year than James Paxton. I like that because I think Erod and James Dave, Paxton so are. I think Erod and James Paxton are almost carbon copies of each other. You just want to spit in Jordan's face. Me or Gabe? You. Why, why do I want to spit in Jordan's face? Because we had the same conversation with Jordan. Jordan called you an idiot. 
Oh yeah, he did. But but that's fine because you know the Mariners are dumb. So who cares? I don't think you're wrong though. Okay. Oh oh. Now that he's not here, you don't think I'm wrong. Well, no, I, Jordan, if you're listening to this, year, Austin, Austin, Austin was all all on me, all on my ass, and now he's now he's agreeing. That's not that's not what I'm saying. Gabe, what's your hot take about Erod? So I think that. I guess that's not really a hot take. It's just so I think that Erod, we've been we've been saying like every off season, this is the year for Erod. You know, uh, he's finally going to figure it out, and I think that this year is his last chance to do that. I think that if he doesn't if he doesn't figure it out this year, he's he it's just going to make me mad. Like he's, I just I agree with I that. Feel like I agree. We've been doing this. It's the same story for the past like couple years like he's he's right on the verge of breaking through and i i think he has the stuff to break through he just has to figure it out and you know work on finishing guys and if he if he can get get that figured out he's gonna have a great season and i i I agree with you he he could have a better season than paxton if he can figure things out he's gonna be a legit he's gonna be a legit three borderline two if he works that slider into his rotation as a punch out pitch and he doesn't throw 100 pitches in four innings. Yeah. Uh, I think that Eduardo Rodriguez winds up being the second best pitcher on the Boston Red Sox this year. If he can stay healthy. Sale, sale Erod, Price. Price. Man, you think Evaldi's going to fall off that bad? I don't. I don't. I'm with you. I think Evaldi might be better in the short term, like short spurts, right? Like, I think playoff time for a month or two, you got Evaldi, but the other six months of the year. It's like okay. Some people can he do have it? that switch though. They do. I hold. I totally agree David with you. Freeze. I think that David. Mm. Free, I mean, maybe he's not great in the regular Freeze. season. I mean, he's never been spectacular. Is is Evaldi worth seventeen million dollars if he has a four ERA regular season, but pitches like he did last year in the playoffs? I think he is because I think David Price is worth thirty million dollars if he pitches the way he did in the postseason, minus that one year. Can we can we sign David Freeze then too? I'd be down to sign David Freeze to come off the bench. Yeah, I just don't better want to than Nunez. Actually, uh, but I mean, what else do we think about the starting pitching? I mean, looking past this year, you know, you're gonna lose Porcello. There's a chance that you lose Chris Sale. What is a reasonable deal for Chris Sale, Dave? Uh, anywhere between twenty and thirty million dollars. Anywhere between six and eight years, I would say he's gonna be thirty years old. He's gonna be thirty-one. So if you give him six years, he'll be thirty-seven. It's free agencies. So you're going to overpay. You look at a deal like Corbin got or Scherzer got, and I think Corbin's the better comp because of his age and the year he came off of. Sale has been the best pitcher in the American League probably the past five or six years, and he's worth his money. He's on one of the best contracts in baseball too, so you know he's probably going to want to get paid. He's not worth like $35, $40 million, but he's also better than the $15, $18, 17000000 he's going to make. Like, He's better than Porcello and Evaldi, even when they did sign their contracts. Porcello gets paid $21 million. Evaldi's getting paid $17 million. So you got to think it's going to be around that, maybe even more. I don't know if the Red Sox keep him. Porcello, I don't see coming back unless he just wants to win World Series because a team will give him a one-year $10 million, $15 million deal. Texas. Just to eat innings. Texas, the White Sox, Minnesota. San Diego. San Diego, Kansas City. I mean, Tampa Bay. The list goes on and on. Even Tampa Bay would give him one year, ten million, just to say, "Hey, come help out," and you know, we gotta, we gotta get to, you know, the salary floor basically. But teach kids how to throw a sinker. Exactly, teach kids how to throw, keep the ball, you know, on the ground, not in the air. The good thing, and Gabe, we can touch on this before we go to relief pitching, in general, because that's going to be an interesting conversation. If you lose Porcello and you lose Sale next year. I'm not crying with price of all the Erod. I'm not either. Because that's a good three to start off with before any free agency or prospects. I like that. Austin, thoughts? I'm good with that. I'm I'm 100% okay with letting Chris Sale walk. I'm going to start off relief pitching with a very simple question. Will Craig Kimbrell play for the Boston Red Sox this year? Yes or no? No. No. I think yes. And I when think do you he think comes, he signs then? I think he signs after spring training, right before the season starts. So he Lance Lynn is. He, he's going to Lance Lynn it. Oh, Derizzi? 
Oda Rizzi, similar to what he did last year. People forget he wasn't in spring training last year, not because he's being a prick or anything. His daughter yeah. had a heart problem and he was in and out of the hospital with her, skipped the whole spring training, had a very rough start to the season. And then he went off up until obviously the playoffs where he sucks every year. He's not going to get a five, six year deal with somebody. I could easily see him back on a one to two year deal. If you could get the perfect deal in the world would be a two year, a one year deal with a one with a player option at the end of it. I mean, a uh, club option. So if he performs really well, we can keep him. If not, then we just let him go. But even if you have to give him two years, if you give him two years, I'm okay with it. You need to get guys. You need to get to the playoffs. You need guys to get you there. You saw what a good manager and a competent manager and Alex Cora can do with a bullpen and game management when you get there. You'll see Evaldi out of the pen. You'll see Porcello. You'll see Brazier in the fifth. You'll see anything to get the win. So get me to the playoffs, and my team and my manager will do it for me. The bullpen right now scares me just because of injury, suspension, and you guys like Matt Barnes being like, oh, yeah, I tipped pitches the other day, but I feel good now. That kind of scares me a little bit. Do you guys think it's supposed to be closer? Exactly. If not Kimbrel, do you think we make a move or do you think we roll with what we have and Feltman eventually comes up? I think that they're going to do exactly what they did at the trade deadline last year, right? And not do anything spectacular. Just add a piece. Was spectacular. Just add a piece. Just add something, you know, to the pot. Because, again, we're going to talk about Durbin in a second because I think Durbin's the answer to, to the future question. And I think we. Oh, for sure, future. But I don't know about there. this year. Yeah, just because of what Cora said the other day saying he doesn't want to rush him. Well, no, he's, he's that. I mean, the best case scenario for him is he's that, you know, that late September call up. Yeah, the Brandon Morrow's back for the Royals back in 2014. The Bronson Arroyos, too. I mean, the Bronson Arroyos. Yeah, what we wanted forever. last year out of Feltman. Exactly. Which was come up come up in September call-ups and stay. The Benatendi when ben he did Attendee, it. yeah. Yeah. So what is the answer, though? I mean, is Matt Barnes, is I think, is going to be the closer on opening day. Do we think Mejia kind of wiggles his way into that closer spot? I think Brazier does. What an acquisition, by the way. Again, we just talked yeah. about the trade deadline. Yeah, free acquisition. I mean, and Brazier. I, I think Brazier and Barnes fight for the closer spot. And then it's just going to be a mod podge of Thornburg, Hambury, uh, BJ, Velasquez, Workman throwing 65 miles an hour. That kind of stuff. I don't know. Gabe, what do you think? So I think that I, I don't think Kimbrell comes back. I just think that the uh, like ownership has told Dombrowski to quit spending and uh, – I, I I think that it makes perfect sense to bring Kimbrell back on a one-year deal. I don't see why you wouldn't, especially seeing how the early struggles of this bullpen. I know it's spring training, but it's still concerning to me. And uh, I think I'm with you. The comments from Barnes today were just like, I that does not look good. Like that, like, you should not be up. saying that. Yeah, exactly. Like if if you were tipping him, don't say anything at all. Like say that behind closed doors to your manager and your pitching coach. Don't say it to the media, which is dumb on his part. And then I think Brazier does uh get the role like I don't know. I my ideal situation is them to just bring back Kimbrel, but I know that's not probably not going to happen. So then I I'd, I'd probably rather them just get a uh guy before early on in the season that's just me though and I, I would like Mejia I get that you know his past but he, he's been pretty solid and I do not want to rush back uh Durbin Feltman at all so um th- that's my thoughts yeah I think you see Feltman in September like Austin was saying because of service time and because of development I don't I don't think he needs more development I think he needs to see major league hitting I don't think he's going to develop anymore I think he just needs to to tweak things I really think he's that good, and I think his skill set is where it needs to be. I think it's more just like getting the, the reps in against Major League hitting to learn when to throw certain stuff and working with the Major League pitching coaches and working with Price, Porcello, Sale, Avaldi, working with those guys to be like, okay, like do this, do that. I think he'll be up there. The answer is, the easy answer is bring, get, bring back Kimbrell, 
get you to the playoffs and then figure it out from there. We'll see. Kimbrell might be one of those guys that a month into the season, the Red Sox bullpen is a disaster, and we cave. We say, all right, here, here's three years at $15 million per. I don't think Dombrowski does that, but Dombrowski's a win-now type of guy. He might not be around in three years, Dombrowski. Not because he's bad, just because his time might have run its course here. So you never know. But I think, you know, what we do on the show is always seven, eight, nine, right? So I think that opening day, I'm not going to give a seven, eight, nine on the innings, but I'm going to give you the names. It's going to be Barnes. It's going to be Brazier. And it's going to be Hembry. I don't know what order. I assume Barnes is the closer opening day, but that changes probably. Brazier, eighth inning guy, and Hembry, your seven. And if you need a six, it's going to be BJ, Velasquez, Workman, you know, Thornburg, whoever. What about Bobby Pointer? I like Bobby Pointer. He's young. He throws well, needs more time. This might be his time to shine, considering that we're injured and lacking in the bullpen department. I wouldn't, I wouldn't hate it. Uh, JD Martinez, the best DH in baseball. Best DH of the last five years. What? Minus David Ortiz. Yeah. Besides Bobby. Besides Ortiz, yeah. Yeah, take Ortiz out of it because he's the GOAT. JD's been unbelievable. He's only 31 years old. He's on the contract this year. He's going to restructure, I assume, because he's worth way more than $19.3 million in 2021. Next year, he'd make 23.7, which is very good. But I would say he gets somewhere between 25 and 30. He has more value to this team than numbers can provide. Yes, I totally agree because he's a hitting coach. Yes. And he I makes like everyone that. better. All right, guys, what's like a realistic spread of what we think that this team's going to win this year? And do they win the AL East? Yeah, so well, let's do it like this. Over under 100 games, and do they win the AL East? I think they go under 100 games. I think they win like 98 or 99. I think it's close, maybe 100, 101. It's right around that ballpark. And I think they do win the AL East. I think the Yankees struggle. Not out of the gate because they play like 18 of their first 50 games against the Orioles or something like that. Some Something bizarre. They play the Orioles so much when they're going to be hurt and roster movements around, stuff like that. But I think the Yankees win around 90 to 95. I think we just win 95 to 100. That's, good. That's a good point. Awesome. What do you think? Uh, I think that this last? team, I don't see this team winning less than nine games, more than nine games. More than nine less games than they did last year. But this team was very, very injury fortunate last year. We didn't have any huge major injuries when it comes to position players outside of Dustin Pedroia, which at his rate, I mean, we can't guarantee that he was going to be great physically anyway. You know what? I will say that we actually had a lot of injuries, just not at the same time. Right, right. Because we had we had Mookie Betts miss what three weeks. That was the most terrifying three weeks ever. We had we had Xander Bogarts miss two to three weeks. We had Devers miss time because of injury slash down AAA. We had Christian Vasquez break his finger. We had Chris Sale miss a month and a half. We had Craig Kimball start slow because he skipped he couldn't go to spring training because of his child. We had a lot of injuries. They it wasn't a season ending injury. It wasn't like torn ACL out for the year. But there were, we were one of the most injured team for starters. I think last year, if you just add up how many you know of our stars that missed, nothing catastrophic. But and we still won 108 games, right? Yeah. But so nobody was out for like a season. You know, it was like no, 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 no one's nag- out. You didn't, it was more you didn't of lose. a it was more yeah, nagging than anything else. Yeah, more nagging. But my point is that with those nagging injuries, we still won 108. So even if we still have those nagging injuries next year, I agree with you what you're saying. Like I still think they went around 100. Yeah, so I'm going to go over, and I do actually think they win the, win the AL East. There you go. I think my number is 98 wins, and they win the AL East. Mine's 101, and they win the AL East. Because I think like the that. Yankees win 100. Ooh, okay. 100 on thought. Gabe? Um, I'm going to go over... I was actually going to go 101. I'll say 102 just for the sake of uh, parody. Yeah, yeah, 102, and I do say they won the AL East. What would have to happen for the Yankees to win the AL East? 
their starting pitching goes insane. They need their starting pitching to be top three in the AL to, for that to happen. Only because the Red Sox starting pitching is going to be top three in the AL. And right now on paper, the Yankees with what? Tanaka, CC, Gio. Gio Gonzalez. Um, Paxton. Paxton and a hurt Sevy is not impressive. Right? Two Cy Young like, candidates like last is, year, but still. Like is Steve is Steve is Steve blah, blah, blah. Steve Pierce gonna hit forty home runs off the Yankees this year, right? Probably. Like against all these last gonna be like, like Mookie's uh, Mookie's Orioles a year yeah, where seriously. He like, like he's gonna he's gonna own the Yankees just because out of pure older lefties throwing him meatballs down the middle of the plate. So the Yankees need to get their starting pitching. You need Paxton to perform at a one or two level. You need Severino to take a month off and come back at a Cy Young level. And you need Tanaka to play like postseason Tanaka. You need CC to not have one foot out the door, even though he already does. He's going to be, you know, calling games for ESPN mid-year, which makes no sense. And you need some help at the five. That's how I think they get 105 wins or something like that. So here's my prediction. I think that you touched on it that they the Yankees have pretty easy schedule to begin the season i think that they're gonna like start off hot and the red Sox aren't going to start off so hot and everyone's going to be freaking out saying you know oh this this the yankees are going to run away with the division but then they cool off and then the red Sox catch back up and don't slow down that's my prediction i agree with that 